Hope. It is great to see you here this morning. In case we haven't met, my name is Jesse Sipley, and my husband and I, Aaron, lead the worship ministry at the Burlington campus. I'm a mom of three wild and wonderful boys. Dustin is seven, Jonah is five, and Aiden is three. Aaron and I are originally from the Pittsburgh area in Pennsylvania, but we live here in Burlington. And happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers watching today. What a gift your role is in the body of Christ. Where would we be without our mothers? I'm so blessed to be able to bring you this message today. And if you're not a mother, would you please stick around? Although I will be talking about motherhood mostly because I am one and it is Mother's Day, I believe the message that I'm going to share today is for all of us, and I hope that men and women all will be encouraged about the significance of your role in God's story. And the question I'd like to ask all of us today is, how does my mundane matter? Now, I'll be 36 in a few weeks, and I remember when I was 16, feeling like adulthood was so far away. but. Now it kind of feels like it was yesterday. <laughs> but I remember dreaming about being married and having kids and having my freedom as a grown-up. And to be honest, adulthood is not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> Most of us, grown-ups at least, would agree that our days are filled with a lot more boring things than we could have ever imagined. Life is boring. There's a lot of stuff that has to get done, the boring and the mundane. Now my job, Aaron and I work with a ministry called Youth with a Mission, also known as YWAM. It's a worldwide missions organization that focuses on training, evangelism, and mercy ministry. And in 2006, as a 23-year-old single girl, I moved with a group of six people from Pittsburgh to the Boston area to start a new YWAM ministry. And we had a dream in our heart to create a missions sending base in New England that would mobilize young people all over the world to bring the gospel. Now, we were seeing God do incredible things through the group of six of us. People were coming to Jesus. People were being trained and sent. Churches were jumping on board. We even grew to over 40 staff. And I was operating in a lot of different roles. I was um, creating systems, I was making spreadsheets, I was organizing overseas trips, I was having one-on-one -on -one meaningful discipleship relationships, just seeing God do incredible things. My life, my job was very fulfilling and very meaningful. I could see a lot of the fruit of my work very clearly in front of me. In 2009, Aaron moved up from Pittsburgh to join our ministry and we fell in love and we got married. And although I wasn't exactly supposed to be able to have kids, <laughs> four months into marriage, we found out we were expecting. And nine months later, my very busy, ministry-full life came to a halt, and I found myself at home. My days were now filled with changing diapers, cleaning up spit-up, cooking dinner, cleaning up this mess, cleaning up that mess, staying up all night, over and over, day after day. And it was a hard adjustment, to be honest. I loved this boy so much. Oh, I loved him, head over heels in love with him, but the adjustment was challenging. In some ways, I felt like maybe my life was insignificant. I wasn't contributing 
to the world around me. I wasn't having a direct impact on the kingdom of God. In some ways, I felt like I didn't have a ministry anymore. And even though this boy was an absolute gift to me, it didn't mean there wasn't a season of having to figure things out and learning how to find the meaning in my mundane. I think in this time that we're living in it, living in right now, you know, global pandemic and all, <laughs> a lot of us can relate to the newborn season of motherhood. Our lives were busy, filled with coming and going here and there, always on the go, to now we're suddenly at home. And the mundane, everyday things have come to the forefront. Those dishes you could kind of ignore because you were at work most of the day are now staring at you. From the, over your computer, you can see them staring at you. <laughs> and maybe many of us are asking that question, how does my mundane matter? And for others, maybe in your pursuit of something meaningful, like a job or marriage or parenthood, you've suddenly lost yourself in the midst of the mundane. You had high expectations for that new job to be fulfilling, and now it's become the humdrum, nine to five, repetitious, mundane. You longed for meaning in the depths of marriage, and now you're wrapped up in the comings and goings of the everyday coexistence. No matter your season of life or life situation, maybe you're asking the question, just as I was as a young mother, how does my mundane matter? So this morning, I want to look at three women who most likely lived very mundane lives, but they received mention in scripture as having made a profound impact on the world around them. And it's not the five minutes of fame that I really want to focus on during this time, but I think it's the menial, everyday, mundane, humdrum life leading up to that moment that really is where we can find the significance. So first of all, I'd like to look at the life of Huldah. We can find her story in 2 Chronicles chapter 34. You may have heard of King Josiah's story. He became king when he was around eight years old. And after a lot of really bad kings, he was a really great one. And mostly because of his desire to honor the Lord. He tore down the idols, he turned people back to God, and he began a project to repair the temple. And as the project was getting started, they were getting things sorted, the high priest, by the name of Hilkiah, found a book, the Book of the Law, part of which is the Old Testament that we use today. It had been missing for quite some time, hence all the bad kings. But it had been found, and they brought it to King Josiah and read it to him, and as, king, as the king heard those words, his heart was grieved. He was repentant, he was broken, he was humbled before the Lord. And he called together his, his highest officials and the high priest, and he said, please go, inquire of the Lord for me. Find out what the word of the Lord is about this. So Hilkiah is the high priest. He supposedly is the man closest to the Lord out of anybody in the country. And all of the nation of Israel, he would be the one who could inquire of the Lord himself. But where do these men go? Where would you go? They went to Huldah. I love this. Who's Huldah, you might ask? Well, let me tell you. 
She was married to the man who was in charge of the royal wardrobe. So most likely, she was a seamstress. She didn't have a high position. She was assisting her husband in his work. And in Jewish tradition, it's said that she would spend a lot of time out at the city gate. In fact, they even named the city gate after her, the Holdegate. I could just see her out there stitching some garments, working on some sewing projects, humming along some songs to the Lord, thinking about what she's going to cook for dinner, chatting with some passers-by, having her heart turned towards the Lord, hour after hour, day after day. The city gate was a busy place. There was a lot of people coming and going, business transactions taking place, hustle and bustle, and she was there in the midst of it all, probably with a heart so in love with the Lord. And one day these men show up. Out of anywhere they could have gone, they knew to find the obscure seamstress if they wanted to hear from the Lord. So I could just see her, I could picture her sitting there, stitching some of the king's undergutchies, glancing at these men and the book they brought, and just so effortlessly, a word from the Lord flowing from her tongue. And this is what she said in verse 23 of chapter 34. The Lord, the God of Israel, has spoken. Go back and tell the man who sent you. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on the city and its people. All the curses written in the scroll will come true. The Lord went on to say that his anger would be poured out on the people and it would not be quenched. But he went on to, she went on to say the word from the Lord. Because King Josiah humbled himself before the Lord and was repentant before the Lord, that he would not see the Lord's judgment being poured out in his lifetime, that he would die in peace and people's hearts would be turned towards the Lord. So the men take this message back to the king. King Josiah heeds the message and makes big changes in the nation of Israel. I love this story because right in the middle of Huldah's everyday mundane was an opportunity to speak out the word that the Lord was bringing to a nation. She wasn't trying to make a position. She wasn't, she wasn't trying to make a name for herself. This opportunity appeared to her. And I would venture to say that even if that moment never happened, we can be sure that her life made a profound impact on which the world she, and the world in which she lived. We know that because these men knew they knew that if they wanted to hear from the Lord to go to her. In the midst of her everyday, mundane, a turning point for a nation. I love that story. And now I'd like to look at the life of Anna. She's mentioned in Luke chapter two. Now Anna was a widow and most likely had been so for about 60 years. She decided to make her home in the temple. She lived there. She was there day and night, night and day. The word says she was worshiping and praying day and night. Now from the outside looking in, Anna's life didn't really look too exciting. Quite mundane, actually. Day in and day out, same thing, over and over. She didn't have a family, had lost her husband, had lost some of the meaningful things in her life. But one day, in the midst of her everyday mundane, a moment that changed everything. She saw him. It was Jesus. 
He was there with his parents for all the ceremonial rituals that they do for newborn babies under the law. And she recognized that it was him in verse 38 of Luke chapter two. It says, at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. All the hours Anna had spent in the presence of God allowed her to recognize what others couldn't. The Messiah had come, and she got to be part of announcing Israel's long-awaited Redeemer, right in the middle of Anna's everyday mundane an encounter with her Savior, set on a mission. It was a turning point in God's story. And finally, I'd like to look at Deborah in Judges chapter 4. She was in the position of a leader for the Israelites, a career woman, if you will. (laughs) It was said that she would sit under this tree. It was named after her, in fact. And she would sit under this tree, dealing with people's conflicts, disputes, complaints, day after day, offering wisdom, having conversations with people to help them through the things they were struggling with, day after day. It might sound like she was a pretty important person in the nation of Israel. She had a pretty good job. But hearing people's complaints day after day, I bet gets pretty old. I know. I have three kids. (laughs) Now, Deborah was also known as a mother of Israel. Now, we know that she was married. It mentions her husband, but Scripture never mentions that she had any kids of her own. But she cared for the people of Israel so well that she was known as a mother. I love that she's described that way. Now, Israel in this time was in the midst of great oppression. It says in Judges chapter 4 that people were terrified to leave their homes. The streets were empty. Their women were being kidnapped. Their towns were being plundered, paralyzed by fear and unwilling to fight. In Judges 5, 7, I love this verse. It says, village life ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. In the midst of her everyday, mundane, tree-sitting, conflict-sorting life, she had an unction from the Lord. It was time to fight. And Israel's enemy was defeated as a result. All of the hours she spent in her mundane tree office mattered. Her courage to be obedient inspired others to fight and in turn set a nation free from great oppression. In the midst of her everyday mundane, there was a turning point for a nation. For these three women, most of their lives were filled with the mundane. We read of these one significant moments and think, wow, they must have had really exciting, adventure-filled lives. But it was one moment, sitting under a tree, chatting, hanging out in town, sewing. A widow living in the temple. They weren't living glamorous lives. They weren't trying to make a name for themselves or push themselves into a position that they weren't designed for. How did they make their mundane matter? They were being faithful. 
seeking the face of God, cultivating relationship with him and learning to hear his voice in the midst of their day-to-day, faithful with where God had placed them. Number two, they were purposeful. Purposeful in their seeking of the Lord and their relationship with others. We know that because they were known for being women who heard from the Lord and were able to speak for him. They were purposeful. And the third thing is, is they were available. Available to be with God in the midst of their everyday mundane and also available to speak for him when called upon. So I told you a little bit in the beginning about my adjustment from full-time ministry into motherhood. And I not only had to get used to new rhythms of life, but I also had to come to a new understanding of what it meant to live a life that mattered. I had to learn to find meaning in my mundane. I had to redefine ministry. So about three years ago, we moved to Burlington and I was just recovering from ACL surgery and I needed to get strong again. So I found a gym not far from our house, one that had really great childcare and was affordable. And I made it my everyday routine. I'd throw the boys in the car and we'd head to the gym for an eight o'clock class Monday through Friday. And when I initially set out on this, I was really looking forward to me time. (laughs) This is my time. I'll drop the kids off. I'm not here to make friends. I just want to be here so that I can have an hour to myself, get a good sweat, and not have to answer any questions. (laughs) So a few weeks into my new routine, I was driving into the gym on a Monday morning And the words of a message that I had heard from Pastor Rick the day before rung through my mind, no doubt an unction from the Lord. And it was something along the lines of, will you be available? Will you speak when I ask you to speak? Something along those lines. And I felt as though the Lord was asking me, are you available to speak for me at the gym? And in my 10-minute drive to the gym that morning, I was wrestling back and forth with the Lord. No, this is God. This is my time. Like, I've done the ministry thing. I do stuff on, at church on Sunday, but, like, this is my time. I really just want to, like, not talk to anybody. I got my own issues. I got to get the kids sorted. I'm already running late. It's like, I don't know if I have time for this. And by the time I got to the gym, the Lord had so gently reminded me of some prayers I had prayed in the midst of all of my years of serving him. One of the prayers I prayed, here I am, Lord, send me. If you need me, I'm available. And so I humbled myself and said, yes, if you need me, Lord, I'm available. So I rush in, get the kids sorted, get into my class, and about halfway through the class, the instructor mentions that her knee is bothering her. And she goes on to say, you know, being a fitness instructor, you don't exactly want to have a hurt knee. (laughs) And she was about to go on vacation with her family where there would be a lot of miles of walking, and she didn't want to be in pain. And she's telling the story, and instantly I hear the Lord in my heart say, you are going to pray for her. I am going to heal her because I want her to know that God loves her. And I (laughs) kind of was taken a little bit aback in that moment. I'm doing my moves, working out, thinking, oh Lord, 
when I said I was available, I was like thinking more along the lines of a God bless you, I'll be praying for you, sister, kind of availability, not like a, in the name of Jesus, be healed availability. Okay, so like, how am I gonna do this? Do I just like walk up to her? Are you gonna, I'm a little bit awkward in social situations sometimes. (laughs) So Lord, you're gonna have to like make it real easy for me. So at the end of the class, I walk out of the class and into the locker room and she's standing right in front of me. I knew it was my moment. I said, hey, um, do you mind if I pray for you? I feel like God said that he wants to heal your knee because he wants you to know that he loves you. I was so nervous, guys. <laughs> My hands were shaking. I was terrified. In the midst of all of these other women, here I am. What's she going to say? I have no idea what she thinks about God or anything. And she says, yes, please pray for me. I say a quick prayer. Say goodbye. That's it. See you later. She's gone for two weeks. I have no idea what happened. Two weeks later, I see her back at the gym, and she walks past me, and just ever so casually, just so you know, my knee's better. What? God had healed her knee, totally healed her knee. And a few weeks after that, I found myself in the locker room again, and a woman who I didn't know very well was in tears approaching me. And she came up and she just started pouring out her heart to me, letting me know some of the hard things that was going on in her life. And we just stood there and cried together, sweaty, tears, everything, embracing each other in the locker room. And she looked at me and she said, I knew that if I could just talk to you, that you would have the wisdom to help me. I knew that I needed to talk to you. I knew that talking to you would help bring a resolution to what I was going through. I just was so stunned. I remember standing there just thinking, what? I never stood up at the gym and gave an announcement. Hello, folks, I'm here if you need prayer. I never held up a sign. I never announced to anyone I was a Christian. I was just there every day being myself, being me, being available, being faithful, being purposeful. I'm not anybody special. I just made myself available. And so many women have encountered the presence of the Lord as a result. I think there's a temptation to view our everyday activities, our tasks, even our jobs or our home life as insignificant. Mundane it might be, but insignificant it definitely is not. Those big moments are few and far between. So how can we let our mundane matter? Number one, Let's be faithful. Wherever God has placed us, let's be there. Be all there, not wishing to be somewhere else, but being faithful with where God has placed you and with the people that he's placed in your life. Number two, purposeful. Let's get on our faces before the Lord, not binge watch our lives away. Being purposeful with our time seeking him, pointing our hearts towards him, even in the midst of the mundane, humming those songs as we're scrubbing the toilet, being purposeful. And number three, being available. Let's be ready to rise up and courageously take our place when he calls on us. Talk to that neighbor, call that friend, be available. Let me ask you this. 
Would a new mother change a few diapers and then suddenly expect her baby to be a full-grown, functioning adult? No. We can learn a lot from watching a good mama. Day after day, she pours out her life into this little one. Diaper change after diaper change, feeding after feeding, long nights, longer days, day after day, year after year. It takes a lot of nurture, love, care, investment for that baby boy to grow into a full-grown man. And in the same way, little by little, every time we're cultivating that, our relationship with Jesus and are faithful in the little things, it's building us a life that is set up to not only make an impact on the world around you, but potentially to be a turning point in God's story, maybe even for a whole nation. It's the mundane matters that make for meaningful ministry. Will you say yes to him? Will you look to him? Will you point your eyes to him in the midst of your every day? Today, if your pursuit of something meaningful has come to be mundane, pursue the Lord in the midst of your mundane to find great meaning. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you have set us up to live lives that matter for your kingdom. No matter our position in life, no matter our job situation, no matter how we find ourselves in the day-to-day, God, you have purpose for us. And you are ready for us anytime we look to you. You're ready to encounter us, to meet us, to set us on mission. And God, I pray today that we wouldn't despise the small things in our lives or despise the place where you've put us, God, but we would rise up and be faithful where you have placed us. Lord, that you would teach us to be purposeful in our time and that you would help us to be available for you and for those around us that need you. God, I pray for each person listening today, God, that our hearts would be turned towards you. Let us have that moment like I had in my car that day at the gym to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Use my life for your glory alone, not for me, but for your glory, for the changing of a nation, for the changing of the lives around me, for the sake of eternity, because you are worthy. You are worthy of every life. You are worthy of every yes. And we love you so much, Jesus. Thank you for who you are in our lives. Thank you that you're accessible and available to us, even in the midst of the mundane. May you find us faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.